Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kill Your Yo-Yo, brought to you by Illinks. My name is Ross Levine, and today we have an awesome guest who I had so much fun speaking with. This is Josh Yee. I've known Josh for a long time. We used to hang out on the forums. Uh, he has been yo-yoing for longer than I have been alive. Uh, he is an incredible yo-yoer with just decades of experience, and uh, but he is still young too, so it's amazing. Uh, he he is uh, such a a innovative yo-yoer in that he combines different uh, styles together to create new tricks. That's sort of a basis of innovation that he likes to use, and he's able to do that because he knows all five major styles. Not only does he know them, but he he's very, very good at them. Uh, he is a national champion in 5A, and he has placed in all kinds of different divisions, in all kinds of different contests. So he is really a deeply knowledgeable source and someone who knows so, so much about yo-yoing, and we just have such an interesting conversation about it. Some of the things that we hit are... Uh, uh, music and how to use music in your freestyles. Uh, we talk about the different toys that he does besides yo-yoing as well as the different styles of yo-yoing that he does do and how all those, the toys and the styles, all mix together to create new and innovative tricks. Uh, we talk about uh, why he <laughs> originally avoided 3A and how that led him to doing 3A. Uh, we also talk about his his uh, his his life with his wife, who is also a yo-yoer, and they together created Not Creators. So we talk about that company and, and all their different things that they like to do with that. Uh, we also talked a little bit about his uh, experience in the furry community and how we can learn as yo-yoers from the furry community how to become a more cohesive and inclusive community ourselves. So we have a really interesting and very diverse set of topics to talk about today, and it's a it's a really good episode. So I'm very excited for you to hear what he has to say. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got for you. So please sit back, relax, grab a yo-yo, kill it, and enjoy. It's Josh Yee! Oh my god! <laughs> so excited. Good, man. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. It's a nice uh nice lazy Sunday morning, so excited to be here. Very chill today. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's a it's a nice chilly Sunday morning. <laughs> you're in you're in San Francisco, right? Uh I'm uh, near San Francisco. I'm in Daly City, so the next city oh. over. God, that's still you can get there by the bar if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Yeah, like literally the border from here to San Francisco is like a couple blocks up, so. God. I'm essentially, I'm essentially in San Francisco. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, so then all the, all the Bay Area people can, uh, <laughs> if they want to hang out and stuff, they know where to, where to find you. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> that's good. So, so first, let's just go through some, uh, some accolades. The biggest one, you're, I think biggest one, you're a national champion, correct? Yes, I was the 2017 U.S. national champion in the 5A division. With an absolutely awesome routine. Um, oh, thank you. Which I have notes on. I would love to talk about more later. Uh, absolutely. I think you're the first national champion on this show. And so, like, that, 
<laughs> we will all bow down to you. <laughs> <laughs> At least until you get a world champion on the show, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's stepping stones. Yeah. <laughs> Not to call you a stepping stone. That is a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to have you on because not uh, as, like anybody who watches this show knows I have strong opinions on contests in general and what's the most important is that you're an extremely creative extremely talented and ridiculously experienced yoyor um so I am so excited to have you here uh, thank uh, you so much <laughs> absolutely so uh let's start where we always start with your backstory yes how you got into yo-yo for sure yeah uh so i got started in yo-yoing uh, around 1998 kind of when the big like team high performance boom was going on through hawaii uh i have family that's in hawaii so i used to visit there quite often and there was one day where i came across a performance from team high performance they're performing at a ala moana shopping center and i remember just you know, being a little kid watching it and thinking like, oh, that, just, that just looks so cool. Like, I had known a little bit about like at least the concept of what a yo-yo was up to that point. Uh -huh. um, but I had never seen like actual yo-yo tricks. So I remember I just like begged my dad like, oh, like we can I get me a yo-yo. I really want a yo-yo. <laughs> um, and he was like, he basically told me like, okay, like I'll get you a yo-yo. But if I get you a yo-yo, you have to promise me that you'll be able to do the same tricks that they can. So... He bought me, it was like this blue Hyper Russell, and I mean, of course, I couldn't do instantly everything that they were able to do on stage, but <laughs> that was just like the start, like the first step of like really getting into yo-yo, like that. It all pretty much started there. That's good. So I'm glad that you're, or I bet that your dad is proud that you're now able to do all those tricks. Um, pretty much. I mean, I still can't, I still can't do like, you know, two-handed shoot the moon. That's like the... It, an obtainable trick of you know team my performance but i don't know <laughs> even one-handed shoot the moon it's called shoot the moon for a reason like yeah that is a very tough uh two-way trick um yeah. so team high performance did that have anything to do just because in hawaii and i know the lot of yo-yoing in hawaii around that time was centered around evan's dad did was that yeah have did that tie into him at all Definitely. Well, yeah. So, um, like, pretty much all of the boom was largely because of Alan Nagao, Evan Nagao's dad. Uh -huh. Evan, of course, like, you know, um, very much involved in team high performance as he was growing up from his very earliest of age, too. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, Alan Nagao was basically just the, like, marketing genius. He really made the yo-yo boom as big as it was, and it all kind of came from Hawaii, spread in Japan, just pretty much kept going for quite a few years. And it's still going to this day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, and also, just for reference, in 1998, I was a year old. And so uh, just to, to put into perspective that you have been yo-yoing for basically my entire life, uh, which should be 20, 23 years, which is my age minus one. So like the amount of experience that that is is incredible. Um, I'm, I'm getting old, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're getting better every year, too. Um, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. No, but just, just to put into perspective of, like, how much mastery comes in, in, in 20, 23 years, 
is pretty obvious. So, uh, uh, you know, as far as accolades go, I think that is a very important one uh, to have. And so, yeah. so, so you got started there. You had your first, uh, sounds like kind of a, a cheaper plastic. I mean, there wasn't much metal at the time, I'm sure. Um, right. Well, I mean, most yo-yos were plastic then. But that was like a plastic fixed axle Russell yo-yo. So it had just like a wooden axle oh. side. It didn't even like unscrew apart. It was just very bare bones, basic yo-yo. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. then you're playing with that. Um, did you start getting like other ones along the way? A little bit, yeah. So like that was kind of after my first yo-yo, that was like my baby for quite quite a long time. And it was around like after coming back from Hawaii, like I still wanted to keep yo-yoing, but you know at the time we didn't really have internet. You know there wasn't a lot of resources for learning, so I would go to the library and we would check out these like they had yo-yo like training books. They had. Uh, like if there was there's a couple of yo-yo VHS tapes that you could rent out, and those were kind of like my guidebooks for like how to learn at least the basics. Like there wasn't a ton that you could pick up from them, but like pretty much everything from like knowing how to do like sleeper forward pass and up to like learning to do like a double or nothing. Like those were available then, and I picked up like I remember my mom got me like a Proyo. If you remember like the old Proyos that uh, oh yeah. Used to be Playmax, then Duncan took over. But like, yeah, those were like take apart wooden axle. Eventually, I got a Fireball, like, and that was like a absolutely like game changer for me too for a little bit there. Like, but it was very limited, very very limited for quite a few years there. It is very hard to land a double or nothing, and especially to learn a double or nothing on a fixed axle wood or plastic. So like. <laughs> It's it's just it's strange to us like these days the the kind of old school players are like they're like oh yeah this is a trick because <laughs> back then like the yo-yo sucked so much that uh, yeah like you landed a double or nothing and then it was just like the spins already mostly gone you know <laughs> yeah exactly like you have yeah. no gap you have no spin time so it's <laughs> like <laughs> how times have changed um, absolutely yeah. So as the, uh, which that, you essentially lived through the invention of the bearing yo-yo. Like you were there, you were yo-yoing around the time that that happened. And so I'm guessing you got to experience the shift from sort of the old school style over to the, the new school style. Um, Largely, yeah. Um, I mean, like they still, like bearings definitely existed even prior to when I got into yo-yoing, but the, I feel like they didn't really take off probably like 97 into 98 was like, you know, the Raider was like a really game-changing area at that time for both, obviously, 1A and 2A. Uh -huh. um, I remember when I got my first Raider, I was just like, oh my gosh, this thing, like, this changes everything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it spins, it seems like it spins forever, and it just sort of like that definitely was a milestone for being able to like, okay, like, now I can actually do a double or nothing, not have the other die. I can even like, Flip into a trapeze from there, it's still spinning. Like, you know, that, oh. was, that was huge. <laughs> so, that's kind of where the very beginning of being able to have freestyles exists. <laughs> Largely, yeah, for sure, for sure. Awesome. So, then after the Raider, where, when did you start getting into sort of the more modern uh, yo yo's and string trick? So, it was probably around, I want to say like 2000. 
2001. Okay. So I had actually been yo-yoing for a little, you know, a couple of years, from 98 to 2001, just on these fixed facts of yo-yos. I got the Raider around 2001. Uh-huh. And, like, it was also around, like, end of 2001, into 2002, where I started, like, my parents actually, like, got better internet. So I was able to go online and start looking, like, oh, hey, there's, like, there's tutorials I can actually look at. You know, like, of course, the tutorials back then were, like, you know, diagrams of how to do tricks. Right. But then, like, I slowly start to be able to, like, you know, see, like, oh, there's a video. And, of course, the video would take, you know, three hours to download this, like, one-minute video because of dial-up. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, they existed. That's kind of when, like, I started kind of breaking into more, like, modern things. I'd say, like, up until 2001, I knew how to do, like, things like split the atom. You know, like, I can do split the atom. I can do, like, the roller coaster, which is this thing, like, but I think, yeah, 2001 was sort of when I really started, like, finding out, like, okay, like, there's this whole more modern thing going on. And that's also when I picked up, like, the Renegade, if you're familiar with that, yo-yo, the Super Yo Renegade. I think um, I've played one before. Yeah, that that was, like, a really, like, oh, my God, yo-yo, <laughs> for that time, too. Because it was, like, you know, it was heavier, it was a butterfly shape, it had a bearing, like. A lot, a lot changed because of that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So then that's kind of where you started making a change into the bigger tricks. And I also want to point out uh, kind of what you're mentioning, that in the beginning you were learning from books and VHS. Like you had to go yeah. to the library to pick up uh, sort of the, uh, the, the information that you needed. Um, I know with in, in Magic, like, there's a lot of people who kind of had the same thing. A lot of the magicians these days, like a lot of the famous ones started by going to a library and picking up a book on magic and then just reading all of it. And, Absolutely, and, yeah. And like, I don't even know if yo-yo books are still at the library. <laughs> they might be, I haven't, I haven't been to the library in a while, but maybe next time I go, I'll try to, you know, get some uh, nostalgia going, see if there's anything. Pick up some there. old trick books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are there any tricks from from those books that are still like, like, like? So how did they teach a trick in pictures? Oh man! So like, so essentially, like for example, let's say we're trying to learn like split the atom. There was a book that had split the atom in it, and it was just these pictures of like it would just be floating hands, like just ghost hands in a book, and it'd be like, okay, like step one, and it's like a number one, and it's like throw asleep first. Step two you have the hands in this position and then it's like arrows around the little disc that's supposed to represent the yo-yo showing like it's going up and onto this string. Like, right. <laughs> it was, it was such a different time, but like, and there's quite a few times where like, because of those diagrams, you wouldn't really know if you were doing a trick correctly. Mm-hmm. You were just kind of hoping like, okay, I'm going to do this. I think that's correct. I hope yeah. you know, there's no one to tell you, Oh, you're doing it wrong. There's no video to compare it to. You're just kind of, flying blind with this diagram, hoping you're doing it. <laughs> and that, so I'm saying this specifically because this community doesn't have much books anymore. Um, and I think that's sort of a lost art because it, in the magic world, it's exactly what you're saying. People learn tricks wrong, but a lot of people swear by them. And it's still one of the most popular ways to learn magic is through books. And the reason is when you learn the when you learn it from the book, first of all, you get like so much information and it's just in one place. You don't have to sit and watch a whole video. Um, but second, right. if you learn a trick wrong, 
but it still works, then now you've just created something new. And so yeah, you, you kind of get the same information out to a bunch of people and they all learn their own little tweaked version of it. Uh, so then everyone kind of has their own style. And then when they write their book, it ends up being the new version that gets published. Um, and Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I would love for there to be more yo-yo books. These I days. was going to mention too, there was a, like a good example of that would be when I was trying to learn the trick Shockwave. Uh -huh. um, Shockwave, uh, for those who don't know, it's essentially just a like magic drop where it lands on the back string and then you're just rolling it back over into a trapeze. So it's a repeater trick. It's one of the earlier repeater tricks. Um, but when I learned it, I learned it off of a trick diagram. And when they talked about it, they did, you know, they said, okay, make an L with your finger and wrap it around and then loop the yo-yo over. And I was like, okay, well, I'm making an L. What, I don't understand this rejection thing that's supposed to happen. So when I did it, I would do the L, but instead of doing a rejection, I just like folded the yo-yo to the back and got this weird thing. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do from here? I guess I'm just rolling in a trapeze. So I did Shockwave wrong for quite a while just because I had no idea that there was this rejection kind of thing happening because all I had to go off of was this like trick diagram with a picture of like a pixelated hand. <laughs> Make an L. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got you. So that's uh, definitely a way to learn though and it seems to have worked out well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, then when did you start getting into the more like wanting to compete, wanting to go out, wanting to take things further? So I think it was around kind of when I got more into the modern, at least modern of that time, yo-yo being around 2001, 2002. Because uh -huh. uh, back then they used to have a division called the sport division, where instead of freestyling, you basically had to complete a trick list. Like you were given a trick list and then you go up on stage and be like, okay, like do rock the baby. And then you'd have to go up on stage, stand a little square, perform rock the baby. Uh -huh. And then basically your goal is to see how high up the trick ladder you can get. Um, and that was where my original interest kind of was laying because I didn't feel like I was really good enough to fully do like freestyles yet, uh -huh. but I really wanted to like compete. So I remember um, the first contest I actually competed at wasn't until 2003. It was California State's 2003, um, where I'm pretty sure due to nerves, I only got to like brain twister, I think. So <laughs> not, not very far, but uh, yeah, it wasn't until 2005, actually, I was like, had the confidence to try making a freestyle and I compete at uh, Nationals 2005 that year uh, to try to do a freestyle. I didn't get very far. I did the preliminary rounds of 1A. Uh, I got 25th out of 51 people, I believe. Um, it's like halfway, but <laughs> that's kind of where the first freestyle that I did kind of like it sparked kind of a new thing for me. Pretty much ever since then, I've competed in freestyles. Okay. That's awesome. And then I guess the rest is uh, is history. I mean, Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but awesome. So that's kind of how we arrived here. So then I guess what I would ask next is who would you say your major inspirations as far as modern yo-yoing and also old school style were? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it, so it kind of varies because like, I'm a player that does all five 
styles of yo-yo, at least five major styles of yo-yoing. Mm -hmm. um, so I have individual inspirations kind of for each style that I do. Okay. <laughs> um, but if we're talking about 1A specifically, like I think early on, uh, one of my big inspirations growing up was, uh, I don't know if you remember, um, Johans. Johans from, uh, he was from Team Proyo back in the day. Now he's, now he is, uh, you know, he's the owner of Yoda Factory, but yeah, 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 yeah. But he was like a big like inspiration for me, and I think more into like modern tricks. Definitely Jason Lee uh, and Yuki Spencer were like two of the big inspirations for me. Just yeah, they're so loud and everything. Also, I don't know. There's lots of like emergency vehicles going by, so sorry about the noise. <laughs> That's all good. They gotta they yeah. gotta go so save lives or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so Jason Lee and uh, Yuki Spencer. Absolutely, yeah. They, th those two were like really influential for me growing up. Um, kind of for different reasons. Like Yuki definitely had a lot more. I feel of, like the really like quick technical things I really wanted to emulate, and then Jason had this sort of like really flowy, while still kind of staying technical style. I really wanted to emulate too, and I think that's kind of been a foundation for at least for my one A tricks quite a bit. Um, is trying to find things that just flow naturally into like another element without mm -hmm. a lot of pauses. And I feel like Jason was definitely one of the big like pioneers of doing that. Absolutely. And a lot of the people I've talked to have said, at least Yuki Spencer, like he seems to have been, I, I, I don't even watch enough of his like old videos to know what his style <laughs> was. And when, <laughs> when I have, I kind of watch him and I'm like, oh yeah, those are pretty good tricks. But it's because I'm watching like the the foundation of all this other stuff that I that we now see. Um, Absolutely, yeah. He was definitely like one of the founders of what we would consider like competition one A for sure. Like yeah. just you know, and there's a lot of elements we use. Like even one of the most common like thumb over elements that like everyone always uses. Like that was his creation. I mean, you know, there's so many things he developed that are wow. you know, his tricks specifically that we just still use to this day, even though it's really, really old. I'd love to be able to go back and watch that with uh, fresh, fresh eyes, un unadulterated by all of the modern <laughs> yoing that came after. Yeah, <laughs> to see just how revolutionary it was, because everyone, everyone talks about him um, and how great he was. So that's that's good. Um, for people to look up and just see where this all came from. Um, right. Love it. Yeah. Then uh, I get, oh, do you have any for, for the different styles? Like if you just go through and name maybe one for each style? For sure, for sure. Um, so so that was 1A. For 2A, um, one of my big inspirations for 2A actually was um, uh, Yukihiro Suzuki. Uh, he was a player, used to be sponsored by Yomega. Um, I really appreciated his 2A because he never actually did any rap tricks. So for those that are like not completely familiar with, like, with the term, rap tricks are basically um, any trick where one hand is doing like some kind of loop or a milk the cow, and the other hand is doing like this arm lap. And a lot of 2A is founded, like, you know, a lot of the 2A tricks you see in competition, they're all rap-based tricks. Like, there's tons of rap-based tricks everywhere um but Hero was someone who he specifically would not do any rap tricks everything was like a loop based trick but he would innovate 
so much out of just these like loop-based tricks. And that was mm -hmm. kind of like one of the big inspirations for me going forward was learning how to do those kind of tricks. Um, but yeah, that's probably like my main, I'd say my main two-way inspiration. Okay. Um, just to have that kind of level of control. Um, and then 3A, probably one of my biggest inspirations was um, Daisuke Shimada. He was a player that was sponsored by Yo-Yo Jam. I really appreciated his stuff because he was one of the first 3A players to really like kind of combine 3A tricks with like a big performance aspect of it, like presenting 3A tricks in a really like big and showy way that just looked really cool. So instead of being just purely technical, it was like, like, you know, full performance-based tricks. Um, Love that. So then, yeah. Rather than like trick after trick, it's sort of more a show that you're watching. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and then for 4A, I'd say probably one of my big inspirations initially was uh, Koichiro Mori. He was, uh, he actually still does 4A a little bit, um, but around the period of like, yeah, 2003, 2005, up to like, yeah, 2005, 2006, he had like just a very different way of showing his 4A. It was very like chill, whereas opposed to a lot of 4A players were like, you know, doing like trying to do like really big tricks or really fast things. He was just kind of like always very laid back. You could present his 4A tricks in a really clean way. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for me, even today, if I do 4A, I like, you know, kind of keeping things a little more mellow and just like finding, you know, just tricks that flow together really smoothly and just feel nice. Um, and then of course for 5A, I think one of my big inspirations for 5A, um, Hideo Ishida just because he also is a player who presents 5A in like this really showy kind of way. Like every performance he does is like, you feel like you're watching like a Cirque du Soleil performance or something. It's just like so well planned. Like all his trick density and like the flow of everything just goes together so well. So I definitely build up a lot of inspiration from him. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I would love for there to be yo-yoing at Cirque du Soleil, honestly. Like <laughs> that's, um, yeah, I mean, there was the to uh, black Tobinari Ishiguro. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, dude. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely going to look him up. Um, yeah. I would love to see. That's really the stuff that I love is the very performance-based, like, things that look good to the audience, but can also make yo-yoers go, oh, wow. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, I think, is the, the best stuff. And that actually is a, a perfect transition to the next thing I wanted to bring up, which was your 2017 Nationals um, uh, performance, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> national championship winning performance. Uh, that was, first of all, I want to start with the song that you chose, which, like, around that time and still, it's always like really quick electronic music that people can <laughs> just go really fast to. And you chose yeah. a totally different song. Uh, could you go into, into that and uh, what your thought process was there? Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, like a lot of the 5A performances I had done leading up to um, that Nationals routine, I had actually been experimenting a lot with using slower music. And a reason for that is like, I'm someone who, if I'm trying to yo-yo to music, the music really, like, affects my yo-yoing, like, a lot. Um, and the times I had tried to use, like, faster-paced electronic music, I always found that I would, like, I would get more tense. I, my tricks wouldn't really flow as well. 
Like it really affected me quite a bit. And mm-hmm. it was being detrimental to a lot of my free stuff. So I think it was around, I want to say 2013, 2012, 2013, where I started kind of transitioning and thinking like, okay, like what if I kind of slow things down? Can I get out of this like mental funk of like, you know, being tense and like trying to rush through things? So I start using like more like instrumental, classical, cinematic kind of pieces um, for my 5A specifically. And ever since I did that, it seemed like it was working really well. Um, in particular, I was using a lot of songs that were composed. Uh, there's an artist who goes by Fox Amor, and he just like, yeah, he does a lot of like cinematic, like instrumental pieces. And every time I'd use one of the songs that he had made, it was like, it seemed like it went really well for me. So when I went to nationals that year, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to like, and I found that piece and it seemed like it flowed really well. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, sure enough, like when I was on stage, I felt very comfortable. It wasn't like being really tense or anything or like, I yeah. felt like I was able to piece myself a lot better. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everybody who's listening knows like the, the music that you choose definitely affects the style that, that you take on. Um, and like, if I want to go really hard, I'll find like hits from the seventies and uh, no, yeah. I don't generally listen to that kind of music, but it, it's just so nice. Like throwing really hard to ABBA or like even Led oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like they just get me so excited and, and wanting to move. Um, I and, feel that. Uh, I, I mean, among so many other things, I'm sure for a lot of people, electronic is what that is. But that sure, desire yeah. to like move and get all active, it's also, it comes along with anxiety. Um, right, absolutely. And even if it's not just like world crushing, having a panic attack anxiety, it still comes through in your performance. And something I noticed yeah. in your 2017 performance is you looked so calm and so laid back and I think that really helped when it came to hitting almost every single trick that you went for. Pretty much, yeah. I think I had like, if I remember, like, I think there was like one trick I remember messing up after repeat. But like, yeah, I remember I just was able to kind of get into the music and just sort of, I don't want to say zone out, but it, it almost is like zoning out, you know, where you're just kind uh-huh. of flowing with everything. So call it the flow state, you know? But <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. you were, you were, you, oh, it was so flowy. It looked so good, too. I love, I think my favorite moment is when you, there's kind of a pause on the music, uh, and you just stopped yo-yoing, and then did the, the thing where you throw the counterweight through, the loop. Oh, the, the instant GT, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's from a trapeze, and then, like, in a second, you turn into a GT, and it's throwing yeah. the counterweight through the loop that's around your non-throw end. <laughs> Um, it just immediately forms a GT. And so that moment, yeah. there's few players who stop yo-yoing as a performance choice. Um, right. Yeah. Generally, the goal is how many tricks can I fit in two minutes or three minutes? And so any time that you're not yo-yoing is lost points. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. So, or at least that's how people tend to think about it. So I love seeing how you kind of broke that rule, quote unquote rule, and, uh, and gave a little bit of a second for the, the thing that you're doing to breathe and to let the audience yeah. catch up. And it made that moment so much stronger too, because suddenly there's a GT and you hit it so solid uh, <laughs> that it, it, I think that added so much to it. Um, probably- yeah, definitely. I think like, yeah, like, 
honestly, I feel for performance, having little pauses like that is so important. Um, not only just for the audience and like really being able to kind of amplify a trick, but like mm-hmm. I think that you as a performer gives you a chance to sort of like also sort of realign yourself, you know? Um, so it's kind of like, you know, it works kind of for both, like benefit of both the audience and you. Essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. It, um, I think it, it, it helps to, to emphasize moments. Um, and if you go so, 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 so fast, the audience might not catch everything. Um, yeah. That's, uh, no, I'm not going to. I always want to bring things back to magic. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. My friend, uh, <laughs> Elliot, he's a stage magician, and he, he does manipulation. So, like, balls, billiard balls appearing and disappearing and changing color and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And his theory is... I want to go so fast that if I mess something up, I'm already doing the next trick by the time the audience notices it. And so, uh, and you can do that in that style because like things are appearing and disappearing really fast. And I've always yeah. been like, no, you gotta, you gotta let the audience see what you're doing or else they won't even know that they're watching a magic show. And it's kind of the same thing with yo-yoing is like, if you don't give them a second to kind of have that moment and pause and, take in and digest what they just saw they're not going to even realize what it was that they saw it's like right yeah if you did if you watched a summary of a movie in two minutes you couldn't fit a plot of a movie in two minutes it doesn't work you need right. some time to have like establishing shots and and reaction shots during a conversation uh to mm-hmm. see how people are reacting to it like they literally watch the reactions of the other actors and have th- those shots planned into the script to make sure right, right. after the reaction. And so I think that was really good. And I love, especially during that moment, you stared at the audience and it, it wasn't you looking at the yo-yo, it was you looking at the audience and then going back into it. So right. I just, I loved that so much. It also, you. You, choosing a slower song kind of lets you do that. Right. Um, and what was another thing that I really liked about that? There was, um, oh yeah, <laughs> this was a, a complaint that I saw in the comment section of that video that someone asked, why did Josh have such a high technical score? When I was clicking it, I got blah, blah, blah. And right. like anytime I hear anybody talk about clicking routines, my heart sinks and I want to like quit yo-yoing. But, <laughs> but when they... When they brought that up, someone's response was, oh, because he hit all of his tricks, uh, or almost all of them, and that has a big impact. Uh, but another, another thing in the original comment was, it seemed like he repeated a lot of elements. And mm. when I hear that, it's another thing that makes my heart sink. Because there's a lot of things I think that are wrong in the grading system, the scoring system. And yeah. um, that is one of them, is that if you can't repeat an element, then that's eliminating so much. Like repetition is one of the core things that artists have at their disposal. Yeah, like absolutely. Warren, his whole thing was just repeating an image over and over. That was the art was repeating an image. Yeah, like the Campbell soups and the the. Uh, I want to say Madonna. That's not her name. <laughs> I, I failed art history, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that movie star from whenever. 
and Andy Warhol painted her. So point is like banning repetition from from uh, from competitions just feels so anti like it's awful that that exists. I don't yeah, know for sure. Like especially with all the unique like like I just think of all the um, if anyone follows like the things that repeat hashtag that goes around Instagram and all people that are making repeater tricks. It's like, yeah. it's very frustrating that all these really beautiful flowy tricks, people mm -hmm. almost would say they're invalid in competition because yep. they're repeating elements. Like, that's so upsetting to me. I totally agree. <laughs> Completely. And I feel the same thing about the fact that the yo-yo has to hit the string for it to count as a trick. Like that eliminates, that eliminates this combo. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's a that's Absolutely. a full on yeah. combo. The There's so many things that look good too, like without any sort of like string hints, and it's like, oh, exactly. you're just gonna say, you know, <laughs> like that. Uh, if anybody is listening to the podcast, check out my Instagram. This is minute forty four second thirty nine. Uh, if you want to see those tricks, and my Instagram is i l i n x underscore t o y s, and I'll shout out some uh, timestamps if we do more visual stuff. Uh, yeah. Also. Follow Josh. His his Instagram is uh, J E I C H E E T A H J H. Um, and so yeah, that there's literally a comment right now saying the point of a yo-yo is to repeat, which like the basic trick of a yo-yo is this. Yeah, it's up and down. It's up yeah. Could you imagine a two-way competition that you're not allowed to repeat <laughs> loops? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, like two-way's like the one style that seems like they, uh, they they don't mind that there's loop couples. I mean, you still got to vary it, of course. There's things that they'll score. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's just kind of a gripe with competition. And s the fact that you were able to break both of those rules of the uh, you have to be doing tricks all the time, that one's not a codified rule, obviously. But, um, but kind of an un unwritten rule, and the fact that you repeated elements, but in a beautiful way, like with intention, um, both of those, I just wanted to call out and say that that's, and, and then the fact that you were able to win doing that is like, you are, <laughs> you're fighting the good fight and, <laughs> and uh, representing for, for, for us who uh, are against competitions, but also, you know, <laughs> I love that competitions allow yo-yoing to show up, and you did wonderfully there. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so beautiful. That, I just wanted to shout out to that competition, because it was such a good freestyle, and I recommend people go watch it. Um, oh, so I also love the, that there were lyrics in the video, um, or in the song choice. That mm. doesn't come up too often. Was that any... Uh, did you have any thoughts about like doing that specifically and why you chose that one with that message specifically? Not necessarily. Um, so interesting fact, that particular song, um, it, like the lyrics that they put to that song, it's a song that originally didn't have lyrics. Really? Um, it's a song that's called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. And it actually has a history in yo-yoing too, uh, believe it or not. There's, uh, there's been a lot of like, techno trance versions done of that song and for years like early as probably like 2000 i want to say like 2001 was when i first heard somebody use that song like there were a bunch of players in japan who used like techno remixes of that song 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing it come up as late as like 2008 and like someone's 3A routine. So I, it's a song I always liked the trance techno version of. So when I was looking for a song to do for Nationals, when that one came up, I was like, oh, hey, this is a song that's from my like favorite, one of my favorite producers, but oh. it's instrumental and it's chill. But it's also this song that like has kind of a history you know, in the past. It's like it just seems like the perfect song to use. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Um. So that that's awesome. Then, uh, just well, I think we talked about the song. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to keep staying on, but but that's good that that we have all that. Um. And yeah. Uh. Yeah. Just for people to like choose their songs with intention. That's obvious. Uh. But yeah. Good. Uh, the I also want to say your um, you used a knockoff Slepner for that. Yes, uh, <laughs> that was um, that was during a time where I was not the most like financially able to get a lot of more expensive yo-yos. Uh, I had sold off most of my prior collection to that, so that was one of the only yo-yos I actually owned at that time. Um, and you know I couldn't afford to get like a real Slepner, so. One of my friends uh, who sent me, you know, like, oh, hey, you can get this out of China. You know, I was like, not that I would recommend anyone buying bootleg knockoff yo-yos, but, like, uh-huh. for me at the time, that was, like, literally I needed something I could use. That was, you know, it was $15. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And being, like, my main 5A yo-yo for quite a while. And it was, like, I remember at uh, Nationals, I had that and, like, one backup. And that's, like, all the 5A yo-yos I had. So. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So if you well, I'm glad you didn't need to swap out because that could have been bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> here's a question. So this is actually a moral dilemma, and I'm not sure about. I fully made a recreation of the Recrev Freakwave. Um, so just getting into the morals of, of recreating yo-yos. The uh-huh. reason I did it though is I wanted a Freakwave that, like, I wanted more people to be able to buy it. I did this with Coffin uh, from OESO. And um, I remade it in 7075 because it wasn't ever made in that. And I updated the the pads to be 19 millimeters. And I made just a few tiny tweaks on the design. Um, But it's still, this is a freak wave. We just called it the freak mod. And so at what point is it unethical to do that? Because the, the other reason is that RecRev doesn't exist and Alex Kim isn't right. making yo-yos. Um, right, right. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you have any, like, am I going to go to hell? <laughs> like... <laughs> I'd say absolutely not. Like, honestly, I think with any sort of, like, recreation of a yo-yo, like, as, like in one hand, like, if there's someone that's still involved in yo-yoing, of course you want to get, like, their permission, you know? I wouldn't go and just be like, oh, I really like the Yo-Yo Factory Genesis. I'm just going to make a Genesis and not tell Yo-Yo Factory or ask them, you know. Um, <laughs> but I think if I, you know, if it's someone that's not involved with doing anymore mm-hmm. and, you know, you're not able to, as far as I know, you can't even find Alex Kim anymore. Like, you know, I don't see any problem with that. And especially because, like, there's, it's, like, not the exact same Yo-Yo. There's some, like, modifications to it, too. Like, I see that as more taking inspiration as opposed to, like, stealing a design, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that makes me happy and more able to sleep at night. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's uh, one other thing is I figured if I was going to do that, I would make it very public every time it got out that I mentioned the freak wave, that this is not the freak wave. Uh, 
and I also made sure that all the colors were different than what uh, than what Alex ever put out, so that they can be if it's out in the world, people can know like oh the black and purple ones are the the ones from Illinks and Oyesio, and all the other right. ones are uh, retro. There are there are purple freak waves, but they're a different purple. Um, so good. Oh, yeah. Also, red you're, ones you're fine, are, right? are freak ones. Oh, what was that? Uh, I think you're fine then. Yeah, okay, totally. Good. <laughs> I just wanted to complete that just as a, if anyone finds one and they're like, oh, cool, I have an OG Freak Wave. Now you can know um, that you don't, you got mine. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's all, that's all. I just wanted to throw that in. Um, I also wanted to bring up the that story of when we first met at, at Nationals. I think we had spoken a few times on like the forums, but we were yes. hanging out there and uh, we created a skill toy. And I just wanted to know if you wanted to share that story. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I'm trying to remember who was originally like in that group. There was quite a few of us. But yeah, it was you, me, um, I think Noah Bakovin, Julie, Julian Groner. Um, oh, Sam gosh, who else was there? I think was there. Who was it? Sam Shulman, I believe. Sam Shulman, yes. Okay, so Sam, yeah, Sam was the one who actually, like, really was the creator behind it. Um, he yeah. had, uh, we, we called, we ended up calling this thing the Kitsune box. And basically, it was a, like, little wooden bento box rice container and a marble. And we were essentially using it like a kendama, where, like, we would, like, have this marble in the box. Like, okay, let's see, flip it over. Can you land the marble on the back? Can you land the marble on the side? Can you, like, throw it under your leg? Or, like, you know, there are all these just... You know, it was a totally, like, random thing we just started doing. But it ended up being really fun. I remember we spent, like, like just hours messing around with this box and marble. Uh, I, I also just want to make a note. It wasn't like a bento box. It was a bento box. It, yeah, it was a it, whole it was a... bento box. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, we played with that for so long. And it was right when Kendama was starting to, to right. take off. Yeah. Like, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen kendamas being sold at a competition, was that competition. And that was a big boom year for kendama, yeah. definitely, yeah. So, it, and it kind of fell into that same category. Um, I'll, I'll try to add, so you took a video. Uh, yes. Probably one of the greatest edits in yo-yo history. And I'll, I'll see if I can add that to the, to the notes of this show, um, <laughs> just so we can all uh, thrive in its glory. <laughs> that was, that was also really a spur of the moment thing too where we were like I had been making a Nationals video so I of course I had my camera on me during that time and we were like yo let's like can we make an edit of this <laughs> you know, a bunch of us together messing around at this wooden box and marble you know <laughs> oh, it was so much fun yeah um, so glad that happened and also just a a reminder that anything around you can be a skill toy it's not the toy that does it. It's you and whatever you can do with it that does it. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's like, like clowning, like the art of clowning and not like guy with a big old squeaky nose, but the, the people yeah. who take it super seriously is they like, the really good people can take like a ladder and the action of climbing up a ladder and they turn that into a five minute act that's hilarious yeah. and awesome. And so like, just a reminder to, of like the things around you even a bento box and a marble absolutely yep <laughs> um so then 
I wanted to also ask, you said when we talked the other day that you, I, I, I kind of want to transition into, um, this was kind of like story time at the beginning. I kind of transition into your, what you wanted to talk about specifically, which was yep. you do a bunch of styles. Um, yep. And why, and kind of how those interplay together. And one mm -hmm. thing, just to transition into it is uh, another story. You told me that you were avoiding 3A uh, when you were first getting into yo-yoing. Could you kind of tell that story? Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, like, yeah, I do compete uh, and I perform like all five styles of yo-yoing. Um, kind of the timeline for that went like, obviously 1A was like the first style I learned. Um, the second style I learned was 2A just because I was really inspired by watching 2A players. I wanted to learn how to do loops. Um, I learned 5A after that, just kind of a na as a natural transition from 1A, like seeing like, oh, like this trick 360 looks really cool. And then I learned off string after that, just because the idea of having to do off the string was just crazy. Yeah. Um, but 3A was something that like, you know, it existed, but it wasn't as interesting to me for a while, just because I felt like it was a lot slower. It looked like, it just looked more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have a lot of interest in learning 3A initially. Um, but I remember around, I think it was, yeah, Nationals 2005, um, <laughs> I remember that my dad made this comment when we were watching all the performances saying, like, oh, like, 3A looks, 3A looks so boring. You know, mm -hmm. he just said, oh, it looks so boring and just, it looks too hard. Yeah. And I remember, like, I was like, oh, okay, I always, I always kind of remembered that statement he made. And it's like, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because, like, even though 3A wasn't my favorite style, I kind of felt like, well, that's kind of, not nice to say, you know, in regards to all these 3A players, you know. Uh -huh. um, I don't remember what it was, but I remember, like, something else had gotten me kind of, like, annoyed at him. So I remember thinking, <laughs> okay, well, like, you know what? Because you said that, I'm going to learn to do 3A, and I'm going to compete in 3A next year. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I picked up 3A, yeah, like, end of 2005. Um, and, like, even though it wasn't the style I really, like, had this, like, a big love for, I just, like, the determination for learning 3A was essentially to get back at my dad. Um, <laughs> so, and sure enough, yeah, after a year of 3A, I competed um, Nationals 2006 in 3A division. And I actually, that was the, the, the only division I placed in finals that year also was 3A. So I placed uh, fifth place in 3A that year after, wow. yeah, for about, about a year of 3A. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and I forgot to, to mention kind of the beginning section. You've place at a lot of of competitions and also i think won some regionals as well if i'm not mistaken um yes. like yes. just to toss those in there um but yeah no so i love that uh that when you when you were starting in both 1a and 3a it was your dad doing something in one case saying oh yeah you got to learn all those tricks and then but don't do 3a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, that that rebellion in the second case is very um I, I, I like that. <laughs> you know, it's those rebellious teenagers, you know, you gotta get through them. <laughs> yeah. My default yo yo week. <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna make your kids if anybody has kids and is listening, if you wanna make them good at something, just tell them not to do it and they'll uh, <laughs> they will become one of the best in the world. Uh <laughs> So, so you have all these different styles. I just wanted to know how, 
kind of you how how you use them, how you view using them to promote each other, um, or just anything about the different styles that you do. Um, so I think like you know one one of the reasons I also stuck with doing every style was that like me with my like ADHD brain, mm -hmm. I can get bored very easily with yep. doing like one thing for a while. I, I, I need to like bounce around and do like different things, find new experiences. And I think like with each yo-yo style, one, two, three, four, five, there's a certain like trick building mindset you get that's sort of specific to those styles. Mm -hmm. But when you do all of them and you know, you start to find little things that can kind of play off of each other. Um, Cause like, if I'm just kind of like relaxing and trying to think of like, you know, ways to make like a one A trick flow, it's very different than if I'm say doing off string and trying to think of like, okay, what pounds an off string trick flow. Um, and I think just from me growing up, switching back and forth so much between all of them, I was able to like find new things by thinking of like my trick mentality with one style. How could I combine that into another style? Um, so like even they, you know, and honestly, like through yo-yo history, there's so many examples of that. Like even like the off-string trick, boingy boingy, that was, you know, an off-string player taking a 1A concept and bringing it into off-string, yeah. you know. Um, the 5A trick tangler is another example. That's a 2A trick that someone 5A thought, oh, can I, you know, can I bring this into this other division because there's two objects that we're still using. Yeah, um, and I think like kind and of trying to. What was that? Same for three A with Tangler. Yeah, and same with three A. Like more three A Tangler is something that was like you didn't think you can do, but then like yeah, Kintaro Kimura and Paul Yacht, like they who also were two A players, they brought the Tangler concept in three A and then started figuring out, you know, hey, we can do like Tanglers in three A and, and yeah. do something else. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just grabbing tricks from one style and putting it into another. I know you were saying, um, oh, I forget. Oh, something about combining, oh yeah, 1A tricks with the uh, electric fan in 5A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Severance was doing. Absolutely, yeah. So like, so yeah, Tyler Severance, um, and some other fighting players too. Like they, I remember, I think one of the first people I ever saw doing this was um, Shingo Terada, where he got into an electronic fan and then picked up the yo-yo and was able to do boingy boingy with the electronic fan. Uh -huh. And I remember that was really early. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, I wonder what else you can do with 5A uh -huh. where you can combine a 1A concept into there. So like, you know, uh, one of the things I figured out was like, oh, you can do gyroscopic fluff with an electronic fan, you know, yeah. like that one was really cool or even like doing like mod five with electronic fan or like reverse mod five or you yeah. know front stop couples with it. there's a lot that can kind of be you know explored from there too. Uh -huh. Um yeah. And for a timestamp if people want to check the Instagram we're at one hour and two minutes. Uh nice. Oh one hour and three minutes now. Um, <laughs> I forgot to include the seconds. Stupid, stupid. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, that I think is something that's very important is being able to take from one style and implementing it into another. I know um, 
everyone who's an X Division player uh, who's been on this show, I think so far it's been Aaliyah and Chris, but two people <laughs> who've been here, everybody's talking about how uh, knowing multiple styles helps each, helps each other, that they all kind of piggyback off of each other. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. There's so much in yo-yoing that can be just like kind of transition points, just like those transition points between tricks that like if I'm in a tra trapeze, I know a lot of stuff that leads into that and also a lot of stuff that leads out of that. So the more right. I know, the more I can do with that one element. It's the same with between styles, that there's so many transition points that like if I'm doing in this position here, I can switch that into another style. Um, and just being aware of that and looking for those points can help to discover new tricks. Um, right, absolutely. And uh, one other thing I wanted to toss in, I know you do poi, right? Yeah. As well as uh, dragon staff? Uh, not dragon staff. I have done a little bit of staff. I've um, I've done a lot of different skill toys and flow toys throughout my life. Um, again, the ADHD brain has to like <laughs> choose a lot of things here and there and pick up on these things. But like, yeah, uh, boy. What kind of person does talk. different skill toys? Like, what what kind, what kind of <laughs> other ADD people have different skill toys? Uh, <laughs> yes. No, I tell you. <laughs> but yeah, I do. Um, yeah, just like I picked up, I did um, devil stick for a while, contact juggling, juggling, um, Astro Jacks, Diabolo. Uh, oh my gosh, there's, at this point, the list goes on for, oh, Boogang. I picked up Boogang for a while. Wait, what was that? Did, what was that? What, what was that that you just. Uh, Boogang? Uh huh. Boogang. It's like um, they're, uh, they're also called S staffs, so basically like spinning staff, but they're S shaped. Oh, I yeah, never yeah. heard the name of those. Yeah, yeah, I did a little bit of boogang for a while. Um, I did, what else have I done? Gosh, there's uh, pen spinning. I've also done that, like, <laughs> little, little bits of everything, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. The only one I haven't done of those that you mentioned is boogang. Um, mm. And I would love to. I just don't know where on earth to find any. Uh, I'll, send, I'll send you some resources later. <laughs> Definitely. That would be amazing. So yeah. yeah, so then then you understand kind of like between props, there's so much. Uh, like not just between yo-yo styles, but um, I know that what we call tangler, uh, poi spinners call hyperloops. And yeah, hyperloops. Yeah. I don't know, and it doesn't even matter. <laughs> the <laughs> the two tricks are are there, and they both um, just that that one element can go between things. Another example would be the Diablo trick. I mean, it's not really a trick. It's the base to Diablo movement, um, yeah. to and upward. There's people who do like six Diablos at once. Uh, right. And that is that is solo ham. Like that's how yep. solo ham started is, I, I, I'm, I can't be sure of this, but it has to be. There was some Diablo player who went, oh, if I throw two yo-yos, like how can I do that same motion with two off strings? Um, yeah, solo ham. Um, that was uh, Takahiko Hasegawa. He uh, he was around during that team high performance boom, and yeah, around that time they were also doing like there was like a hyper Diabolo tour thing that was going on too, and like they had guys doing two Diabolos, and I'm pretty sure yeah he picked up the idea from you know off string and being able to like oh like let's make an off string trick like this, and that's kind of where solo ham came from too. <laughs> oh, completely. So there you go. Like just that. Oh, first of all, I can't wait for there to be 
like triple and quadruple solo ham people. I don't know how oh, you God. I can't even imagine. Yeah. That, but like, it'll happen. Um, yeah. And second of all, like just learning different styles is so good, not just for, you know, ADD brains like us, but um, just in, just to improve your, like not only does it give you more to do, and does it give you something to switch into if you get bored of one style, but uh, the inspiration is, is there. Um, Definitely, for sure. Like, I think I've, uh, I've told people before, like, I think one of the reasons why I've been giving as long as I have, and I never gave it up, is just because I was able to, like, keep things fresh in me. Like, I was, when I got bored with 1A, I'd be like, okay, now it's time. I'm going to, like, get inspired by support, and I do stick to 4A. If I got bored of 4A, it's like, okay, well, like, maybe I'll switch to 2A for a while. I was like, if you stick, if you're someone that only sticks to, like, you know, if you were a 1A player only, and you didn't really care about the other divisions, and you got bored with your 1A, that's kind of, that would be it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you had this, like, inspiration drawn from other places and all the other divisions, it, like, it keeps things fresh and new. You can kind of keep going. And that, you know, the passion for yelling is always there. Oh, 100%. It's, there's an infinitely deep well of ideas. And each of these communities, like, each style has its own people who just dedicate so much time to that style. And yeah. you can go in, learn anything, and then transition it back to your main style. What yeah. you just said about, um, about you just said it and now I'm forgetting it, but I'll tell you what the thing that I got from it was, which is, uh, oh yeah, so I, like, I would probably have quit 1A if it hadn't been for poi spinning. Like, I had gotten into poi spinning, and even the basic movements of poi, like, all of my 1A became, okay, how can I do the basic poi tricks in 1A? And so then, you know, you get, yeah, absolutely. You get and, <laughs> and you start to get like butterflies and then it's like, okay, how can I do a one-handed butterfly? And then it's like, Ooh, yeah. one -handed butterfly. and so then you get like all this, all this neat stuff. And then you start implementing that into the one A that you already knew. And so it's like, yeah, that, absolutely. That innovation happens. And that's where the fun is. Um, totally. Like, I mean, even by the poi example, like, I remember like one of my one of my old poi spinning friends who also did yo-yo. I remember he just had a goofy trick where it was just like it was this. It was just like spinning an anti-spin. Um, and I remember thinking like, why don't why don't yo-yoers do anti-spin? Like it's such a pleasing thing to look at. Why is that not more of a thing? You know? Because they don't know. <laughs> oh, there's a um. This is uh, something that my friend Logan who uh, used to be Yo-Yo Dinner, but now his account is hacked, so don't follow him. But do look up his account, because he has really good tricks there. He is a, um, he, he does- He has art. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to show you this mount, if you do a, uh, a one and a half, but instead of going on your finger, you go around your wrist, this mm -hmm. mount is what he uses for all of his uh, poi stuff, because it doesn't, like you can just go around infinitely and it doesn't like cut you. okay yeah yeah nothing wraps wrap so um uh an hour 10 50 seconds for people listening but uh that's that's something but definitely i think the reason people don't do anti-spins is because they don't know that they exist and yeah that's another example of like basic basic point knowledge can totally change the way that people yo-yo. 
Um, Absolutely, yeah. All these tricks that I love doing is is timing and direction. It's just changes in timing and direction and then adding spins into that. And so I fully, I love, oh, I, I could talk about this stuff all day. Uh, anyway, uh, that 100% as far as if people find themselves in a rut, uh, first of all, download my free PDF guide, which is the link is in my bio. Uh, I wrote a small book on it. And this was one of them is learn different styles and be uh, inspired by those. So that's definitely something I want to, to get into. And I'm so, so glad that you uh, pioneered that. Is there any, any more on that that we haven't covered yet? On, on, on the point yo-yo or just in general with the other styles? In general. I don't know, like, so I think, um, like, other than just the fact that, like, it kept things, you know, like, fresh and new, um, I think it just sort of, like, helps you just learn to be creative, too. Yeah. I think, like, so much of yo-yoing is us, like, you know, learning the things that other people are doing, and I feel like yes. there's a lot of people who just, like, they stick to that, and they don't branch out into, like, how can I make my own unique, you know, flow or my own unique concept? And I think by learning this other skill sets, you start to learn to, you know, to be able to make your own tricks, but in a more like broad sense to create mm -hmm. like other concepts or just other movements that make you like make your style unique to your, your own self instead of being just a copycat of like someone else. A hundred percent. It's a, uh, it's sort of, I, I always talk about like uh, a good, yo-yoer is not necessarily a good performer and it's also true that like a good yo-yoer isn't necessarily a good artist um but yo, -yo is definitely an art and so like yeah. learning art and improvisation theory also a really good book just when you were talking about that the book free play uh by steven nakmanovich is a really, really good book on improvisation and how to like get out of your head and just that it, it can be a pretty like theoretical and like kind of flimsy weird like sort of book at times but in a way that promotes you to start thinking in like very different ways when you're doing any art um and he's a violinist and so all oh. of stuff is in violin terms but he, he he's it's a very general book and it just applies to like thinking outside of the box in in whatever art that you do and it just made me think completely about what you were saying um yeah like that is that is the the way to <laughs> to get inspired um and to to be more creative is to have more to latch on to um right uh yeah so that's that's definitely good um and i can we hit on the the poi as well so i'm glad that we got that oh that was yeah. three points we just knocked out i have a <laughs> i have my list of questions and that's like that, that knocked out three of them. Um, so if that if that covers all of all of kind of the the theory on different styles, um, I don't know if you have any last last thing to just put a button on that. Got it. Uh, I mean, pretty much just like that's probably one of the biggest things I would say could really benefit your your life. Honestly, um, you know, like tutorials and other things like you know learning your specific style from like only if you're a 1A player only can go so far. I feel like, you know, there's definitely room to be explored, not just in the other styles, like we we're just talking about like the other flow arts, like mm -hmm. just, you know, 
and and also just like not being afraid to branch out. Like I know that I've talked to some players who are like, oh, like I only do one A because I've tried four A and it, like I, it seems scary or like I don't like dropping yeah. you. It's like you know, like I just say don't like don't limit yourself. You know, like there's so much room to be explored, and don't be afraid of messing up. Like you know, we're all beginners at one point in everything. You know, yeah, and just you know. Don't knock it till you try. <laughs> I'm I'm loving watching uh, Chris Chun's Instagram because he's getting he's starting to get good at kendama. Like he's starting to get really good. He's already good, but he's starting to like really get into the hard tricks and just watching someone who's already great at foray learn and develop in a different uh, skill toy is just that's that's where it's at. Um, uh, I love watching that. That's like uh, that's like one of my favorite things to see. I don't know if you follow um, Takuma Inoue. Um, he goes by Five A Digger on Instagram, but like, oh yes. he, yeah, he just started taking up foy within the last year. And for those who don't know, this is like this is a two-time world Five uh, A champion and one of my big inspirations too. And like, the fact that he just picked up foy and is already like doing these insane things, starting to innovate new tricks. Like the foy community is already noticing him because yep. he's doing all these unique, crazy things. It's like that's so cool to see. You know, <laughs> he, he is amazing. Um, yeah. I didn't know he's only been doing it for a year. I saw that Drex commented. Drex is very big yeah. in the community. And so, yeah. like, that, as soon as I saw that, first of all, I reached out to him to be on the show, and he was like, my English isn't good enough. So uh, <laughs> I, will, I will hopefully get him on the show one day, but I really want to be talking to him. Um, he's a perfect example. I'm so glad you brought him up. Um, so definitely. Um, then yes, awesome. Learn different styles, learn different tri uh, uh, toys. And the next thing, section three, <laughs> chapter three, uh, is not creators. I wanted to talk yes. about your company because you are, are a founder of uh, a very neat yoga company that sponsors some very nice people. Uh, one <laughs> of them is, is in the, com I think it's McKenna. Uh, it could be, I don't know if she's still watching, but um, you, you have some great sponsors and some awesome yo-yos. I wanted to hear about how that started. Um, starting with the name. I know you have a fun yes. story with the name. <laughs> yes. So uh, so the story behind Not Creators, um, the, the name Not Creators initially wasn't planned to be a company name. Not Creators was actually a joke. Um, so a few years back, there was a group of yo yoers and they called themselves the tech creators. Um, and their whole purpose was basically pushing like really dense modern tech for that time. And they were trying to highlight specifically the players that did that kind of tech. Um, and like, were, yeah, they just like had this platform where they would showcase those players. Uh, they were, they had a lot of really good players, a lot of really cool stuff coming out. Um, but a lot of people also had found them to be like really exclusionary. Like they, were very specific on what was like made a real tech trick and if you didn't fall into this tight definition then you were classified as able to be part of it essentially <laughs> um so it's very it's very limiting yeah um but a lot of the tricks were just very very dense like really really overly technical stuff and i remember me and a couple of my friends like we made the joke that like oh like it's like they're making knots like we should call them not creators um <laughs> And they had a, uh, a team shirt 
which was just like black shirt with team like the lettering that just said tech creators. And I remember uh, nationals one year, just as a joke, I made shirts that said uh, not creators instead of tech creators in the same font. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like it was meant to be just like a joke. People thought it was hilarious. Um, and then following that contest was around where um, I started getting into like making it. It was my wife. Um, she is a she does three D design and AutoCAD. So you know, this is skills I don't have. <laughs> so uh-huh. she was able to help me out, uh, starting to make our first yo-yo. And we were saying, okay, like, well, if we're making our yo-yo, we should have a company name. What like, what would we call our company? And then I remember thinking, like, well, we already have not creator shirts. Why don't we just uh, <laughs> let's just stick with the, let's just stick with it? Why don't we just call ourselves not creators? And that's <laughs> kind of where it all came from. That's awesome. Um, that is <laughs> that's just so funny. And I also love that uh, the that tech creators was that so it, they were a group or were they like an Instagram hashtag or were they like kind, a... of, both. kind of both? Yeah, they had um, so they had an Instagram page where they would highlight people who were of the tech creators kind of tech, um, but they were also a team. Like there were some actual like tech creators members that were like their core team. So yeah, a little bit of both. I see. That's those groups that just decide on on what is what is and isn't yo-yoing. Yeah, I guess they're trying to create a a category, and I I do hope that some innovations came out of that. Maybe Um, if nothing, we got a. There definitely were a lot of like good things that came out of it too. Like there's plenty of like tech players and like, you know, that we got out of that whole movement and like, you know, people that made stuff, I definitely can appreciate it for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that's awesome. So you made your, how many yo-yos have you made so far? Uh, so at this point, let's see, one, two, three, four. We're on our, we're going into our fifth yo-yo with the sixth yo-yo like in the works, in, in planning. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I know the first one is called Shibari. And Shibari, yeah, Shibari was the first one. <laughs> because I love the name. Um, which you can look up what that means. And it's it's a perfect name for a yo-yo, honestly, in terms of like yes. artful knot tying. I just want to shout that out. I don't know if a lot of people know Japanese words, and especially <laughs> that one. Um, so, uh, and uh, yeah, so what is kind of the design language that you go for with your yo-yos in terms of like, is this very competition oriented? Is this very just like kind of fun hangout? Um, as a team, you seem to be just like from the outside looking in, uh, something I've always thought about, about you just as a person in terms of your brand is like all about inclusivity, getting people together, friendship, hanging out, um, and just like general happiness. Uh, yeah. So as a brand and as a design language, what is, what kind of, what can people expect? So the fun thing about, I feel like our company and sort of our like message and everything behind the company too, is that we, in a sense, have a design language that is no design language. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so like every year we've made, kind of had its own like thing behind it. So like like the one I'm throwing right now is the Senpai. This was a like pretty much this was a 70 gram yo-yo 
that's big, kind of angular, um, and really just like it's meant to be a little bit outrageous, you know, just being big and kind of bulky, a little different. Whereas like one of our early yo-yos, the Ice Wolf, was a bimetal that actually has like a slight organic rounded shape to it a little bit. Um, so like every yo-yo we've made, even like the Shibari, I don't have one on me now to show, but like that was a very much kind of organic, but influenced by some of like the earlier yo-yo recreation yo-yos. Uh -huh. um, with little design attributes to like some of the older yo-yos. Like every yo we've made definitely differs from another in that it's 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 very it's very individual. <laughs> so some them have like, you know, they're that might be more contest orientated. Other ones are meant to be more chill. Like pretty much every every yo-yo we think of like a name, a theme, and then we like kind of stick to that. But we try to keep it very individualized from like the previous yo-yo. So in a sense you get I guess our company would just be something where like it isn't necessarily an exact design that follows along to another one. It's just like how can we just make something different and completely individualized from the next? <laughs> I get that. That reminds me a lot of like what Ring City Skills is doing. That yeah, all their yo-yos are. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just totally all over the place. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> oh, we're gonna make a bimetal miniature and also a, uh, a, a one that's just bad. That's its own thing. Is being a <laughs> yeah. bad yo-yo. Like. But I, I love that, um, maybe not to that extreme, but uh, not, not limiting yourself to just one thing. Um, yeah. I love that. And uh, there's sort of like an influence of Japanese uh, as far as the language um, in, the, in the naming. Is that uh, something that's like intentional? Not necessarily intentional. I think it just kind of, it, like a lot of it was coincidental. Like when we did, um, the Shibari, like that was because of like the, the rope tying art form. Uh -huh. We did the Ice Wolf, that was because like it was my wife's you know, and her favorite animal are, uh, are wolves. So we wanted to do like, you know, a wolf theme with that one. The Senpai was kind of a plan worse because like you have this giant yo-yo that like kind of is bigger than other yo-yos. It's like, oh, like notice me, Senpai, like you'll definitely <laughs> notice it. Um, <laughs> like, so yeah, and it's like, yeah, pretty much every, like the plur. That was just taking a, a term from the rave culture that stands for peace, love, unity, and respect. Okay. Um, so, like, yeah, there's, there's like, different, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily Japanese, but, like, yeah, just every yo-yo had a theme that we just chose a name to kind of associate with that theme. <laughs> Absolutely. You're also making me remember um, <clears throat> that I just told everybody to look up Shibari. If you are under 18, don't. And uh, oh, <laughs> if yeah. you are over 18, um Look it up with an incognito browser, probably. Uh, but it's, it is fully an art form. It, it, is, it is an art form, but yeah. uh, with those addendums to uh, underage kids, if they're listening. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I wanted to toss that in. But it's such a cool company, and I'm very happy that you're, that you're pushing that forward. Uh, and I'm excited to see what, what's like coming up. Uh, it also brings in two things one is uh you are now married to a yo-yoer which is yes. like so many yo-yoers dream so <laughs> what is <laughs> what is that like what is it like having a a, a yo-yoer to to be around with all the time <laughs> oh it's nice so yeah um so my wife she actually she she also kind of like and had an initial desire of learning to yo-yo when she was younger um but then after she met me, 
she really just kind of like took off with it. Um, you know, she's more of a collector, I'd say, than a player, but she definitely had a lot of interest in like, you know, picking up yo-yo and because of me, she just started like, you know, getting other yo-yos, trying to learn like some modern tricks and everything. Mm-hmm. And when she got her like design skills, then just transitioned over into that. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I'd say like, it's a lot of fun. You know, every time I get a new yo-yo, I always, uh, I always say like, oh, hey, like try this out. And then, you know, I let her try it and she'll try a couple yeah. of tricks on it. Um, I wouldn't say we have like any like just super long just yo-yo sessions together or anything like that. You know, uh-huh. we definitely like between the two of us, we're a little more casual with our yo-yoing, but you know, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy. I'm also liking watching, uh, in terms of people uh, improving over time, I, I've loved watching her just slowly get better and better and better. Um, so that's, that's been really fun to watch. Um, and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Uh, you. And you both are also in the uh, furry community, correct? Yes. Yes, yes. yes that's actually how we met. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not only do you have a, a yo-yoing one, but you have so there's two communities you both get to be a part of together. Yes, um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so I have like growing up, I I always just like saw you posting about like doing furry events and stuff. And there's I think this public perception of furries that's very negative. Um, yeah. that it's almost like a meme, and a lot of my friends. I'll, I'll be talking about it. I'm like, oh, I have, a, I have a friend who's a furry. And they're like, uh, like still, they, to this day, there's people that do that. And I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a very innocent and fun thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I almost think no, like- There's definitely a lot of negative stereotypes associated with it, unfortunately. But <laughs> oh, completely. Uh, so like, I, I wanted to hear what you think. Um, first of all, what, what it's all about as a community um, what it involves, uh, and I know that you also talked about this on Doc Pop's podcast, but uh, which was a great episode, and you should all follow uh, Pop, is his blog. Uh, but I wanted to hear just kind of what it's about, how you got into it, what it involves, all those sorts of things. For sure, yeah. So, like, so at its core, like that community is just people who like anthropomorphized animals so that's basically animals that have like human characteristics so if like best example of it think of like old disney like robin hood right where you have characters that are playing the animals but they're also humanized you know Uh um and the whole basis of the fandom is just people who enjoy that like and that is core. um i largely got into it because when i was like kind of early i want to say early teen years I always had like a love of animals. Like ever since I was like really young, I really love animals, but specifically wolves. Like wolves were like really cool to me, and I really like the concept of like werewolves. It just was something that sort of fascinated me when I was younger. Uh-huh. Um, and just from finding like, you know, literally searching for like art of werewolves, <laughs> I kind of came across the fandom in that way. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just like you know, even before I knew that that was there was a term for this thing, I was like, oh, like I really like this these kind of this design idea or this kind of thing yeah um and then from there like i just over the years started finding more and more of it and i just kind of found myself getting finding the fandom getting into it and just sticking with it so it's essentially like an art style it's sort of like yeah. if someone really likes classic rock 
then they're a fan of yeah, classic exactly. rock. They get all the classic <laughs> rock shows. They have T-shirts from uh, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and a bunch of their records. And in furries, it's the same thing, but with an art style, anthropomorphized animals. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and so what kind of styles does that come through? I know that there's a lot of, like, uh, people do drawings, people do, um, like, stories as well, and then there's the dressing up aspect. So kind of how does that play through? Yeah, um, so, like, yeah, there's definitely, like, I'd say a, a big part of the fandom is definitely, like, the art. Like, there's so many artists in the fandom, and they, they do art. Like, even the shirt I'm wearing is literally from, like, a furry artist who did um, who did this piece. Like, uh, so I, I, at its core, there's definitely art. Um, and there's even, like, there's, like, creation of characters. So, like, everyone in the fandom has their own character that they've created. Um, like, in my case, like, even my Instagram name, Jay Cheetah, like, that is the character I created. And, like... People, some people have like costumes of their characters, some people choose not to. Um, but like, that's kind of one of the big things with them is just like creativity and originality where you're making something. And it differs from other fandoms. Like there's other fandoms where like say, like the Marvel fandom, right? Where you're a fan of a specific thing, characters that already exist and that's your thing. Whereas in like the furry world, it's like you're making your own content. You're making your own individualized thing and bringing that into this existing world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there, so that is where I want to tie back to yo-yos is, um, which I say, first of all, to remind people we're everything does tie back into yo-yos in this podcast, because I'm realizing our numbers <laughs> just dropped down to one viewer. Uh, but also <laughs> because it's something that I think is super relevant, which is that, uh, and it's something that we talked about earlier, we, as a community in yo-yoing know very little about characters and the development of characters and how important that is to any performance, which mm -hmm. to some extent being a furry, your whole furry life becomes part of the performance and part of yeah. uh, making that art. And, but when you're yo-yoing, you have your two minute little <laughs> snapshot of your performance that you get to do. Uh, and people don't often develop a character for that. And I thought it was really interesting that um, in yo-yoing, kind of the first thing that you have to do is like learn to throw and bind. And like, that's the beginning of starting to get into yo-yoing. For magic, yep. it's learning maybe like a, a fake a fake take, like a, you know, some false transfer. Or like Paul makes something good. <laughs> but in, in being a furry, like as far as like doing the whole, like having a suit and taking on a persona, persona rather, uh, you, the the first thing you have to do is to create a character. Um, yes. And so that, I think, has a huge influence on the community as a whole. Uh, mm. And it's something that I think we as yo-yoers could learn from. Uh, it's something that gets talked about all the time in Magic is like, oh, if you want to be a good magician, you need a good character. But we don't talk about that yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. so could you talk a little bit? I know in uh, Chris Chen's episode, we also talked about characters in yo-yoing. Could you kind of jump into like how you think that that could be implemented and what we could learn from that community and maybe also how that tied into your 2017 freestyle, which I think mm. is a very strong persona as a freestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think like, yeah, like, you know, one of the interesting things to, to touch on is that like 
when you are first getting into yo-yo wing, you're kind of almost encouraged, I want to say, not to be an individual. You know, you're learning things and you're kind of emulating things for the first big chunk of your yo-yo life. And it isn't until later where you start to like, I feel, become more of an individual with yo-yoing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like, I think it's it's definitely important to be able to like pick up, you know, from influence of other people, but also staying true to like who you are yourself as like a person in your yo And like one of the examples I thought of actually recently, I don't know if you know, um, there's a YouTube, yo-yo YouTuber who goes by Yo-Yo Fantastic. Um, and he has this persona. He, so he's kind of a newer yo-yo player, but his whole thing is he presents himself as someone from the 1920s. And that's his really? whole thing with yo-yo, is that he, he talks like someone from the 20s, he dresses like someone from the 20s, and all his tricks and videos are like him living this kind of like alternate life as someone from that era. And to me, that's just such a cool idea um, because that's truly like his own thing that he's bringing with him into yoing as he's progressing in yoing and as he's learning in yoing. And I think for me, also like mm -hmm. growing up, I wanted to stay true to like who I am as a person and what my interests are, what my influences are with yoing. And I think that's something really important to kind of keep in mind as you're progressing as a yoing player is like, yeah. you know, you don't have to emulate every single thing everyone else does you can be your own individual self you uh -huh. know while you're developing your style developing your tricks and just yourself as a person you know <laughs> definitely oh i love that so just taking a little piece of yourself and putting it into the the stuff that you do um absolutely yeah which the first part of that is obviously know who you are <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. uh, for a lot of people especially in yo-yoing who are like under a certain age of like, let's say 16, you probably have yeah. very little idea who you actually are. Maybe you're like starting yeah. to develop a style of how you dress um, and maybe like realize like what kind of things you actually enjoy in the world instead of like your parents sending you to soccer practice and going, you like soccer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like that, that sort of th is what I'm talking about. And so if you're under a certain age, I think this advice is less useful. And the biggest thing is like hone your skills, get good so that by the time you start to get into these bigger subjects, you're, you already have the base skills. Um, yeah. But when you do kind of start to realize what you like and, and who you actually are, play with implementing that character into, into your yo-yoing and see how that plays out. Um, because it, it can really have an impact on the audience when they're watching. If they know that they're not just seeing someone do a trick, they're watching that character perform. Um, yeah. The entertainment doesn't come from the trick itself. It's, it's how you do it as, as it's the guy from the twenties doing yo-yoing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He's a guy from the twenties yo-yoing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and one other thing I wanted to bring up is there was someone in the uh, Illink's Discord, link in bio, uh, who, uh, who he, he was talking about yesterday. He, he wrote like a, a good paragraph. So I think he was really thinking hard on this. Um, and just the fact that he even bothered to bring it up. He had just learned Spirit Bomb. And at the end, he was landing it wrong. I don't actually remember how to do the trick Spirit Bomb. Uh, but uh, he was like, instead of landing through the triangle, he was saying he was landing in the back. And he was asking us, like, is that all right? And 
I was immediately like, is that all right? Of course it's all right. You're doing it. <laughs> as long as you have a yo-yo in your hand, it's all right. Um, but I think there's sort of a perception. He's been yo-yoing for six months. When you're starting out, you see all these tutorials of like, this is the way to yo-yo. This is the way to be a yo-yoer. Yeah. And that's not really the case. At first, it kind of helps to think about it like that. But at a certain point, you want to break free of that. And just whatever you do is the thing that you do. Um, right. Absolutely. So definitely. Um, I'm glad we kind of got some of that stuff. Uh, you also brought up that furries generally as a community are a little bit more accepting of being outside the norm. Um, right. Yeah, for sure. Um, that whole fandom, like, because it is such so based on individuality, yeah. it really ends up being just super accepting of everyone. Like, no matter what your background is, where you're coming from, how you present yourself, it just ends up being like a really open place, you know? That, are, that it really appreciates your individuality. Um, yeah. And I feel like the yo-yo community can definitely learn a little bit from that. I feel like there's a lot of times when, at least in the yo-yo world, especially when you start getting into the more like competition world where that's kind of where a lot of the hype actually stays, <laughs> mm -hmm. people sort of, they tend to like to stick to like one kind of thing. They like to see one kind of style or like, if you stray from this kind of norm, you don't get as appreciated, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think, like, the community can definitely, you know, work on just being more accepting or, like, really finding appreciation of things that don't fit in that box that we're so used to seeing, you know? I think that it would just make for an open community as well. And I think that's easy to say, but I do want to point out, and I agree with it, the thing I want to point out, though, is what is locking that in place, as far as I understand it, is that judges are... So this is kind of how, where judges come from. And judges essentially yeah. decide how, who succeeds and who doesn't. At the end of the day, they are the ones who decide who succeeds and who doesn't. And right. who people, or who judges are, are people who stopped doing competitive yo-yoing recently. They're people who are mm -hmm. still in the, they're still like in yo-yoing, they haven't left yo-yoing, they still wanna be part of the, the yo-yo world, but they're kind of done competing or their current competitors, uh, because who else would be the judge of yo-yo competitions? And, yep. <laughs> but the issue there is that locks in place what is considered good, because people who have succeeded in competitions recently or are currently competing think that whatever the quote-unquote meta, let's call it, is for the time is the only kind of yo-yoing that's acceptable, and that's now what's good. So... Yeah. It's like having, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what it's like. It's like if you get someone from England to decide what a foot is and they go, oh, it's a meter. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, and then suddenly a foot is a meter because the person from England is the one who's deciding what, what a foot is. It's like, no, it's not. It's a totally different thing. Um, who are you to decide what a meter is or what a yeah. foot is? I, that's not the, the best analogy I've ever come up with, but it kind of gets the point across. <laughs> like, that's what's locking that in of straying away from the norm. And it's not just sitting here saying like, oh, yo-yoing is so the same. The meta is this. Like there is structural things keeping it from changing. Right. And it, unless we can change that system, I think we're kind of locked into it. 
Yeah. Um, but within furry, it, within the furry community, it's there isn't. Are there like furry competitions? So there are dance competitions where okay. I mean, there are competitions, but again, they're very free for all. You got all kinds of dance styles. Just you know, who can dance well in this giant? couch of a costume you know like yeah <laughs> it's not like super super official i'd say um <laughs> yeah but other than that it's a very just open community there's not a lot of like competition of like whose suit is better whose art is better or anything like that it's right. just very very mellow very chill <laughs> i got you would, would you be accepted if you just went with like a little bunny ear headband thing does that count probably not they, they have rules about like what the minimum you can do for that okay but, okay that's that's good to know. We're learning the limits of, of being a furry. Um, that's awesome. So I'm I'm glad that we got to kind of hit on that and just like what I, I want to bring in something. So this is sort of what you were saying of, of accepting of people. There was something that my uh, uncle said that was just got me thinking. And he was like, I, I was saying there's not very many women in the yoga community. And this isn't like the best person to be talking with were two guys. Um, but something that he said was, uh, well, that's probably because yo-yoing is just, it's a guy thing and it's not mm. a girl thing. And I was mm. trying to say, uh, well, I don't think that that's true. I think that it's, that there just isn't many guys or there, there's not many women in it. And that's what, keeps more women from being in it is that like it's just what has been there in the past kind of what i was talking about with the judges i don't know if you have any thoughts on first of all what the furry community is doing differently that makes it more open um and maybe what yo-yoing could do differently or is yo-yoing just a guy thing so i think like i've actually talked to a couple people about this too like why there's not as many women in yo-yoing yeah. and one of the things that came up too is like, I mean, historically, even way back in the past, yo-yoing and yo-yos were kind of a little more marketed as a boy's toy. Yeah. And especially when you look back at like the old, old advertising, if you look back at like Duncan in like 1950s, you'll see a lot of like the advertising, they tried, they seem like they're very, very pushing it like this boy's thing and the boys playing with the yo-yo. And like, um, I think like that definitely has a part of it. Just historically, a lot of that kind of has come down through generation and even like subconsciously people almost see it at least the general public as a boy's toy uh -huh. when totally it's not like it's there's no like it, boy girl whatever like you can go like, it's not yeah. specific to just one or the other um but i think that's kind of where some of it came from and like you were saying too like just because there has been less female presence in the yo-yo world it's you know it's not as open for a lot of newer young girls to really get into it because they go into this scene and they see just, oh my gosh, it's a, like massive boys. And like, there's one girl, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I think like, that's kind of where some of that came from. Whereas in like, when I think of the furry fandom, it's just, there never really was any like push for it to be one or the other. It was always just very open to be for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that, as time goes on, we'll see a shift. Like, even now, I've been noticing there's a lot more girls who are getting into yo-yoing than there used to be. Yeah. Like, before, like, you'd go to a contest and, like, you might just see, like, maybe one or two girls, you know? Yeah. And I feel like now we're starting to see a shift where there's a lot more that are getting into yo-yoing. And I think groups, um, 
there's like yo-yo girls united um that are like trying to highlight female players like there's a lot more now i think and i think as just as time goes on we'll start seeing a progression of more females in the community um because like we still like i think we definitely see it like even in like flow arts for example it seems like the split is very 50 50 between male and female like you'll see a lot of both um and i think that with yo yoing like my hope at least and from what i've noticed is that over time you'll start seeing less of that divide you know well the hope is over time it'll become similar to uh the furry community and of course flow arts and uh dance as well is very mm. i i yeah. assume i'm not really inside that community but i, I from what i've seen it seems like it so I, I hope that we can get closer to that and uh yeah i think those conversations are really good to start having um yeah and, but yeah, I specifically wanted to ask you about that because you're in a community where it's not as much of a problem and it's like, <laughs> what, what can we learn? So yeah, absolutely. Um, so definitely, <laughs> that's, that's why I bring that up. Um, then I also want to talk about is um, with, with uh, getting like the suit uh, for, to, to do furry activities, uh, of, of dancing or, or, or whatnot, going to parades and all of what, what furries do together. Uh, what uh, what kind of is that process? Because to me, it feels a lot like when I designed a yo-yo is what it is kind of the closest analogy I could get, that you have to find someone who does it. You have to have your idea of what you want. It costs a lot of money. Um, <laughs> So like, I, I kind of want to get into what that process looks like. For sure, yeah. Um, so pretty much like the standard process is when someone first gets into this fandom, they don't, they don't really know, like they don't have a character yet. They're in the process of like figuring out what their character is. So when they get in, that's like the first step. They're kind of figuring out, okay, like I want to make a character, how do I do it? And usually for most people, it's like, you think of an idea in your head, you try to draw it the best you can. You might commission one of the artists that's within that world to like help you, you know, make that into a reality. So you'll have like basically a concept art of what your character would look like. Um, and then from there, once you have your character design down, then you would go look and like, okay, like who are the, like the suit makers in the band? And there's, there's tons of them everywhere. Um, yeah. But you would basically just like, yeah, try to see like who's open for commissions, who can make this character reality. You'd approach those makers and try to find one that, you know, fits your budget, has a style that you like, uh -huh. and you commission them. They they make it happen, and then from there, yeah, that's eventually when you get your character made into your your suit if you decide to go that route. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it it just costs whatever it costs. <laughs> it kind of it really varies, like. Uh, there's, you know, you can get a suit like cheap out of around like maybe like 600 from like a newer maker, 700, and they can go upwards of like multiple multiples of thousands into like 10,000 and up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Are there, are there people who like, do you collect them is, or do you usually just get the one that meets your character? Like, do people have multiple characters and then get different suits to suit those characters, literally? Um, a little bit of like a little mix of everything, like because that fandom's so open, you kind of could 
do what you want with it. There are some people who they have one character and they just stick to that character. So like for me, for example, the character of Jay Cheetah, that's been my thing for years and I don't really stray from that. It's just, that's yeah. my character, that's who I am. Whereas other people, they might just collect characters where they, you know, even characters they didn't necessarily design themselves. They might find suits that they like that are pre-made that a company made. Like, okay, well, this is my new character, but I also have a bunch of other characters. One of my um, good friends actually doesn't necessarily have his own persona, but he has like like 30 different costumes in his house that he stores and just like, you know, wow. his joy having those and he loads them out to people who are, if they want to try him and it's like, you know, for him, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's sort of, that feels a little bit yo-yo, yo-yo community-esque as well of like, <laughs> Like you either get your own signature and that's what you use and that's your thing, or so like you spend the time and make your own yo-yo, or you just buy what's out there and yeah, exactly. latch on to the what's already been made. Um, yeah, that's so that's so fun. Um, so that's cool for anybody interested in uh, in anthropomorphic animals who hasn't somehow already found on the internet where to like get more information is there is there any uh just like resources that you want to uh plug definitely um i'd say probably like one of the one of the best ways to find out more about the venom and even like how i kind of start finding out more of it too is just like really just finding social media involving the venom. like if you go on youtube and you just look up like furry conventions or you look up like furry vloggers, you'll find like so many people who have like, you know, you kind of get exposed to what that world is. They'll kind of tell you more about it. Um, I wouldn't say there's like more of a central site that just kind of has all the info at once, but it's more yeah. just kind of like little, like finding bits and pieces and slowly, you know, learning more and immersing yourself into that. That I think is another connection then to the yoga community because it's so much was helped by the internet I mean, so yeah. many small communities, but like skill toys, especially, and just like fandoms, just the ability to connect between people is so much of what helped to build the innovation so quickly. Um, yeah. I'm sure that's the same for, for furries, of, yeah. of just like in terms of the growth of the community and the progression of what that community exists as. Um, so that's incredible. I'm so happy to, to get to talk about that. And I don't think a lot of people know about it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to, uh, to get a little bit more information about that out. Um, that also sort of ties into a few things that we talked about, um, which is what the next topic I want to talk about is, which is uh, non-contest events. So mm -hmm. we've kind of hit on performance. We've hit on different communities. We've hit on... Uh, the flow arts and using different props and you talked about in our in our pre-show just having options as a community for different events could yes. you go into sort of what you meant by that mm -hmm. so a lot of it stemmed from an idea I posted on yoyo forums a couple years back as well as like on like the Facebook groups involving yoyo uh -huh. where I wondered how people would receive a yo-yo event where it was not contest-oriented. Because the way I saw it is like when you think of 
like yoyoing as a whole like while there's a huge contest aspect of it there's a lot of just community aspect of it and when i really thought about like okay like if you did take the contest part out of a yoyo contest would people be willing to show up and just like mingle with yoyoers connect with yoyoers like you know see like do yoyo workshops and things like that and like i really kind of thought about like flow events i've been to in the past where you know there isn't necessarily a competition aspect to one because you have you know maybe like a stage show where you get like invitational people up there to showcase what they're learning but it's not a competition and i was you know it got a lot of mixed reaction some people felt like yeah this sounds like yeah, i would totally go to an event like that there are some other people who were like oh like the whole reason i go to things is for competition but this is exciting um but like for the competition <laughs> yeah I, like it just seems to me like you know i would love to see events like that because to me like yoyoing is so far beyond just competing it's like you know the community it's learning new things it's building your skills it's you know checking out new technology and products and everything like why couldn't you have an event that is very much non contest oriented and just yo yo you know when other communities have things that are exactly that <laughs> and some communities just to shout those out are at least that i know magic poi juggling uh uh those are probably the main three that i know of that do let's let me just tell short like uh, stories, uh, just a couple little snapshots of what those can look like. Uh, I know magic conventions, they're very focused on holding workshops and lectures and teaching, and there's a lot of selling products. So there's a lot of product tables. We're used to those, but not so much the lectures and the teaching. Um, and then there's also jam sessions where people just go and they jam together, and that's kind of uh, added in. At juggling conventions, I've been to IJA and SkillCon, uh, International Juggling Association, uh, uh, convention and at that and other conventions I've been to, I've been to some smaller ones. It's mm -hmm. focused on uh, just time together as a community. There are yeah. hours and hours and hours at a time. Uh, there's almost like a quote unquote dance floor, let's call it. It's usually like a school gym where it's just like free juggling space and people mm, yeah. go and they pass to each other and then they'll do like a juggling game. Uh, whether it's like volley club or, or combat. So they'll, they'll have some of those that go on. And then they'll also have workshops and lectures. Uh, and then they also usually have a couple people selling stuff around. And then poi, it's usually like very, very learning focused of like people go and share their new additions to, to the technology of poi in terms of like the theory behind it. And then uh, a, a lot of just time together. And so, and then there's usually a show also at all these things. There's usually times where they go and they just do a show. And that's, everybody goes and watches the show and it's not a competition. Um, so just to throw those in, did I miss anything? Cause I know you've also been to juggling conventions. No, I mean, yeah, that kind of covers everything. Like I've been to, yeah, a couple of juggling events, a couple of flow events and like, yeah, it's just there's there's a lot of just like free time for people just to mingle and like you know relax and everything. And I, I think back to yoga contests too. It's like there's been times I've been at contests where I actually don't get to interact with some people because they're so focused on getting ready for the competition that 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 takes up all the time of the contest. So it's like yeah. as much as you like just chill and mingle with people, 
you can't because either they're going to be getting ready for competition or when you want to hang out with someone, all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we're starting the 1A finals and everyone's like, oh my God, we got to go watch. And then you're just, yeah. you know, you're watching, but you're not, you know, having that chance to just kind of have community, you know? Completely. It's like, and when you are with yo-yoers, you're usually trading and it's like, okay, <laughs> that's not, that's not progressing the, the yo-yo world. Um, uh, it's just exchanging, you know, <laughs> mixing up where the yo-yos are, whose case they're yeah. in. Um, Exchange the currency of yo-yo, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but so much on that first point you made, like, I remember going to contests and I'd show up at like nationals and I'm like, oh, all the best yo-yoers of all of the US are here in this building. And I walk in and I go to, I'm like at the practice room trying to see where all the people are. And it's just a bunch of yoders like aimed at the wall with their earbuds in doing their routine over and over and over. I'm like, yeah, well, great. Can't, can't <laughs> learn anything from him because he's doing, he's doing his own thing. So oh, yeah. that annoys me so much. And I would love if there was like workshops and lectures at, at yo-yo events. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, I, uh, I also know, uh, no, I, I won't shout that out. I will say, keep an eye on not for kids as a, as a group. They have interesting things mm -hmm. up, uh, that haven't been announced. So I don't want to talk about any of them, yes. but, uh, they are very, they're very cool. Um, so definitely, I think that, uh, having yo-yo and conventions, and just events rather than uh, exclusively going there and having it be a contest could help so, so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, that's awesome. I think I have most of the questions. Can you teach us a trick? Absolutely, yes. Let me grab my, uh, my 5A yo-yo. I am going to be teaching a five-day trick. So perfect. We just learned a, uh, a Mach 5 with an electric fan, sort of a combination of two different styles, which is 5A and 1A. And if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see how that happened, uh, the timestamp is uh, two hours and two minutes, almost exactly, is when we started doing that. So go check that out on my, on my Instagram which is Ilinx underscore toys, I-L-I-N-X underscore T-O-Y-S. Uh, and that brings us to the conclusion, um, which there's three, three things. The first one is plugs. Um, automatically not creators, correct? Yes. <laughs> Where is not creators available? And uh, what's your website? All that stuff. Yes, uh, not creators. Uh... You can find us on Instagram. It's just at notcreators. Uh, you can also find us on notcreators.com. That's where we list all the yo-yos. That's where we upload like news and things about the team. Uh, yeah, those are the two two places you can find us. Find out more about us. Excellent. And it sounds like you got your sixth yo-yo getting ready to uh, start to be worked on at least. <laughs> if yes. Not yes. Finish. Yeah, we do have a collaboration coming out soon uh, with. OP yo-yos, uh, it's called the Typo. That's going to be 
hopefully dropping within this month of February. We're going to see when it gets here. But yes, that's our next that's our next one coming up. Excellent. Oh, you got some good stuff. Any other things that you want to plug? Maybe a YouTube channel? I know you have some awesome contest videos. Yes, uh, my YouTube, you can find me if you just search uh, my YouTube, it's just Josh, uh, Josh E. Uh, I post a lot of, I post a ton of stuff. I post contest videos, tutorials, yo-yo videos. I also like uploading like old, like archival, like classic yo-yo videos I come across when I find them. So mm -hmm. there's a lot there. And then my own, uh, my own Instagram where I post a lot of my yo-yo stuff is at jcheetah. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and that's J-E-I, cheetah. Yeah, uh, perfect. So then that's the plugs. The next thing is takeaways. So things that um, this has been, you know, big old long episode. I'm so happy that you could be here for it. But oh, absolutely. people listening have just had a tsunami of information into their brain in the last two hours. So if you could take just one thing away for people to remember, what would that be something that we've talked about? I would say probably like, don't be afraid to branch out, whether that means branching into other, like other, you know, yo-yo styles or into other skill toys or flow arts. Like just be willing to be a beginner again. Like take infosos from other places and just have new experiences from different places. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to be honest. I was so interested in that, poi-like trick you were just doing that I didn't hear what you said, but I kind of got the essence of it from the last sentence. Uh, and yeah. I want to learn that trick. That's amazing. That looks so, so good. Uh, uh, Timestamp is two hours and 12 minutes if anyone's listening. That's really cool. Uh, oh, and 58 seconds. Uh, so, but uh, tell me if this isn't the same as what you just said, because I don't think that it is. Uh, the, my takeaway, uh, something that I think is is uh was really good that we talked about was uh your music choice of using lower music um mm -hmm. influence your yo-yoing and not feeling like you really need to go hard all the time and just the fact that it choosing that made you less tense on stage and that i could see that while watching you like people could really take that um and run with it. I would love to see more more slow tricks happening. Absolutely, um, yes. So then the last thing uh, before we say goodbye forever, uh, <laughs> kidding, I'll talk to you again soon, is uh, Endless Chain. So this is straight from my favorite magic podcast, uh, Discourse <laughs> of Magic by Jonah Babbins. Everyone should go watch him. This whole show is based on that show. Uh, but he has a question at the end, which is, uh, to make sure that this show happens forever and that we can always have a next episode, is there somebody that you think would be perfect, some yo-yoer who would be perfect for this show, and the one thing is that you have to be able to put me in contact with them? Mm. Actually, yes. Uh, I think I do have someone in mind. Um, just because when I think of players like who sort of delve into everything, I don't know, do you know uh, Liam Kurzik? He goes by Sizzrek. Oh, Sizzrek, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he has a company called PlayXS. He yeah. is someone who also just like multi-talented in just um, in every possible flow art and skill. But I think he's, uh, he would also be a great person. I can get you in contact with him easily too. I forgot that he was PlayXS and he 
popped into the stream earlier and I didn't call ah. him out, <laughs> but that would oh. be amazing. <laughs> that would be so good. Um, yes. Uh, perfect. Well then, I think that is, uh, I think that's everything. Uh, and I thank you so much for joining and being here. This has been awesome. We hit so many good topics. Uh, yeah, and I hope everybody liked listening. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's an honor to have you. <laughs> All right. I will see you around. All right. Peace. Isn't he cool? Oh, my God. So that is the end of the episode. But I don't want you to just turn this off yet and go back to whatever you were doing. I want you to think through what you just heard. Think through the takeaway points. Think through everything that we spoke about. And especially think through how you can implement those things into your own yo-yoing to make your yo-yoing better. None of this matters if you don't implement it. So go think through those things, implement them into your yo-yoing. And finally, most importantly, I need your help to make this podcast grow and expand forever. I need you to tell your friends, all of your yo-yoing friends. I'm sure you know someone who has a yo-yo, who's played with a yo-yo, someone you're trying to teach how to yo-yo. Tell them about this podcast. Uh, the, the audience so far has expanded a lot, kind of beyond my expectations in, in the amount of time I've been doing this. So I, I want it to grow even, even more. Uh, so please, if you know anyone at a club, online, tell them, talk to them about the episodes, tell them your favorite part, and help make this podcast vast. Uh, and that is the last thing I wanted to share. But I'll throw in a little extra bonus thing, which is that the melatonin promo video is going to drop on February 22nd. And I'm very excited for it. It's implemented a lot of the theory that's been talked about on this podcast so far. And uh, it's just really interesting. It's very performance-based and a lot... You'll see. You'll see. Uh, it has kind of a narrative to it. I'm very excited for it. And I hope that you are too. Uh, so make sure that you follow the premiere that's in the bio of my Instagram, which is Toys, And uh, I-L-I-N-X underscore T-O-Y-S is the Instagram handle. And yeah, look out for the melatonin drop as well, which will be in late March. That's going to be my first big yo-yo release. And I'm really excited to share it with you and for you to finally see what that design looks like because it is so good looking. And that is all the information that I have for this week. I can't wait to uh, talk to you again next week. And until then, enjoy your day and I'll see you next time.